friends, and welcome to this week's edition of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. Dear JCPS is a district-focused stakeholder advocacy group that demands accountability and transparency from JCPS through a lens of equity. Save Our Schools Kentucky is a statewide advocacy group that seeks to expose and prevent attempts to privatize our public schools, including charter schools and everything else from the ALEC playbook. We are just waiting for the House State Government Committee meeting to begin. It's noon, a little afternoon on Thursday. This is where this is the State Government Committee that is led by Jerry Miller. Jerry Miller read the, led the committee that pushed the pension bill through in 2018. Uh, this famously known as the sewer bill. And uh, this bill was on hold. Uh, according to union leaders, they were expecting it to just be information only in today's committee meeting. And it turns out that it's now expected to be voted on out of committee, which would put it onto the House floor this afternoon. And it's already had two readings on the House floor, and a bill only needs three readings in order to be put up for a vote. So uh, it could pass the House this afternoon and head to the Senate as early as Tuesday. Representative Massey, please uh, join and uh, have your guest introduce himself. So good afternoon, uh, members of this uh, panel. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here again. Um, this has been a long process, a rewarding process, and it's still not complete. In fact, we finished a call last night about 9.30. We have continued to work and work and work on this proposal. This is House Bill 258, which is the new hire bill um, for the TRS pension system. And it began, I'm not going to go over it quickly. I'm going to go over it quickly because I've already been through it. Began months ago with several groups in, in involving KEA, JCTA, KASA, KASS, KSBA, the universities, Commissioner Glass, many representatives, including Representative Miller, Representative Tipton, Representative Riley, Representative Bojanowski uh, has been involved towards the latter part, uh, Senators Higdon, Senator Wise, and we have worked and worked and reworked this bill. Um, I have here with me today two gentlemen that have worked tirelessly on this. One is Brent McKim to my far right from JCTA, and the other is uh, no, no stranger to you, Bo Barnes, who's been with TRS for a long time. I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Brad Gross, the drafter as well, uh, because we've had to just work and rework things to, to get it to where it is. And, um, and uh, Congratulate all those, as well as some uh, many, many people that are on the phone and uh, that had a hand in this bill. And I, I do want to recognize uh, uh, Mr. McKim. It is not only uh, the day of his reelect; he got reelected to his position yesterday, and it's his birthday. So everybody wish him well. Thank you. I also have here with me today that that are we don't have enough room at the table due to the protocols that are in place. I had to list uh, some people that needed to be here as witnesses. So we do have Rhonda, Rhonda Caldwell from KASA. 
We have Scott Hawkins and Houston Barber from KASS. Um, we have, um, I believe, is it uh, Travis Powell from the university? Um, and I think we have um, uh, Eddie Campbell with us from KEA. I don't see him on the picture, but I know he had signed up. Um, and we have been through this, and here's the final outcome. This is a hybrid, true hybrid. It would allow um, a defined benefit and defined contribution component to be in this piece. The, the saving grace of this bill that I think is a really good piece is the stabilization account, which is an account that can be utilized in the event that this plan ever falls below 90%. It would trigger actions by the TRS board to bring it in to proper compliance. So we don't find ourselves back in a new deficit situation. It is a 100% funded new tier. It does not close out the old legacy plan. It is a new tier. The funds are commingled because one of the questions was asked, well, what about the current members that are in the current plan when they retire? Well, that money is utilized out of one account but it's managed and audited and um, taken care of by TRS. Um, what this bill would do over time is, is over a 30 year period, it would be a savings of $3.56 billion. And that's based on the actuarial, the actual report that we have that we spent an hour and a half reviewing last night to make sure if any of the people that participated had any questions, it could be answered. So uh, along with myself and Bo Barnes and uh, Brad Gross in my office, we communicated with all of the members I mentioned previously uh, last night to go over the actuaria report. So we have vetted and re-vetted this bill. Um, this does not solve the legacy deficit problem in Kentucky. I wanna be very clear about that. There were some concerns that, that this was the answer. It's not the answer, but I'll tell you what it will do in just a moment. But what it does do is it keeps additional personnel from being added onto an already burdened and overtaxed system, if you will, where the deficit continues to rise. So that would stop that additional load being placed on the old legacy system. Because more costs are being paid or more, more um, benefits are being received into the components than cost, there will be a surplus eventually and there's a determination of how that surplus could be used, whether it's to return benefits to new hires or uh, help pay down some of the legacy deficit that exists. But the one thing we started with in the consensus was this would be a new hire plan only. And that's exactly what it is. So members that would go into the plan after January of 2022 would be the participants in this new tier. The thing that's really liked about it by many is that it has two components. I already talked about the stabilization review fund. I'm gonna talk about the supplemental fund. So the employee pays 2% into the supplemental fund and the state pays 2% into the supplemental fund. If a person stays in the system for less than five years, they can still get a refund of the 2% they put into the supplemental fund. However, if they stay for five years or longer, not only do they get their 2%, but they get the 2% paid in by the state as well as any interest that is accrued on that contribution. So it is a portable plan, especially for people that may get into the profession and decide this is not for me. 
Um, it also is very beneficial to people that come in uh, as a second career. We've had a lot of that in the last several years where people come into teaching after being in a corporate world and say, I just want to work with students. And they come in and there's very good incentives in this plan for those people. It will allow you to retire at age 55 with 30 years of service, age 60 with 10 years of service, or age 65 with five years of service. And there are, it will replace the, um, the salary by about 74%, which means, and that's with the, the contributions and the supplemental, which means it's very comparable to what we are currently getting in the current system, but it will stop the bleeding. Um, again, we're gonna still have to deal with that legacy deficit, but this will be a tourniquet that will stop the hemorrhaging that we've had with the increasing cost, as you heard at the last meeting. There is an experience study that is coming forward. We estimate conservatively that it will require the Commonwealth to pay another $500 million just to keep things flowing. So to think that we can just continue- Annually. Correct. I think that we can keep it, uh, just keep it stable and it will correct itself is simply not accurate. It will not correct itself because the costs are continuing to rise. So the reason I have those other folks here, and I'll, and I'll end my part with this, is we have several groups now that have supported this plan. We have KASS that is here and they have endorsed or support the plan. We have KASA that's here and they have endorsed or supported the plan. We had the Kentucky Chamber that after I presented to them this week, wanted it to be on the record that they support the plan. And we have the universities that say they support the plan. People may ask, well, what about the teachers groups, JCTA and KEA? I will tell you that they've been involved in every conversation. Um, unfortunately for Brent, or fortunately, I'm not sure which, but um, he doesn't have a meeting with his group until a week from today. So we couldn't really, they've taken a neutral position simply because it hasn't been voted upon. Uh, KEA has basically told me that they've taken a position of tracking. Tracking means they've neither supported nor have they opposed. They're monitoring the bill as it makes its way through the legislative process. Because we do know that what we start with is not always what we end with. But I was committed to transparency making sure that there were no surprises, nothing thrown in at the last minute, not trying to run it all through uh, very quickly, but having a very disciplined, defined process to do this. So with that, I'm gonna turn it over to my uh, fellow uh, colleagues, Brent McKim and Bo, but I'm gonna turn it over to Brent McKim who's been with me along the way. Thank you, Representative Massey. Thank you, Chair Miller and members of the committee for this opportunity. Uh, as Representative Massey explained, uh, organizationally, uh, JCTA has not taken a uh, formal position on the bill. So I, I, we are uh, also at a track position. We're tracking it neither for nor against uh, as far as a formal organizational position. So I will just be talking to you about my experience uh, and perspective as a member of the working group that developed this plan. And I wanna say um, up front uh, that I am confident in saying that the overall, and this will come as no surprise probably to anyone, the preferred course of action among the folks that I represent would be uh, continue with the current plan and continue to fully fund it. Uh, we believe that that is uh, in the long-term doable, but we understand there are differences of, of opinion. And certainly the legislature was working toward 
this new tier concept. So we asked to be at the table. And I want to describe <clears throat> uh, the, uh, the priorities that I had when I was invited by Representative Massey to be at the table. First and foremost, uh, and I communicated all of these uh, priorities to the, uh, everyone on the committee. First was that there should be no change for any current active or retired TRS member. House Bill 258 uh, does not propose any changes, so that we accomplished. Uh, second, uh, the, another priority was that the TRS board should be protected from reconstitution by the executive branch. That's been done in House Bill 5. It's not necessary to go in this bill because it's already been done, but uh, in addition, Representative Massey's indicated that he intends to file a bill uh, to be very explicit about that for TRS. So that has been, uh, that is also a goal that was accomplished. Uh, additionally, a goal was to continue with a social security replacement type plan like we have right now with all of the funds going into TRS and all of the funds being managed by TRS so that it would remain an evergreen ageless fund with funds continually going into it. House Bill 258 uh, does that. It keeps all of the funds going into and managed by TRS, which is keeps the system healthy and ongoing. Uh, another priority was to be sure that we that any new tier plan design would include the same provisions for retiree health insurance that we have right now. And House Bill 258 does that. Another priority that we had uh, that was very important was to have comparable benefits to the current plan. And by comparable, I don't mean necessarily identical, but comparable. And many of you may have seen uh, TRS created this chart that shows the total replacement, uh, salary replacement for the current plan compared to the new tier. And if you look at it, I think it is fair to say they are very comparable uh, when you put the, the two components of the hybrid new tier together. Um, for some people, depending on when they started working, the age they started and how many years they worked, some people are better off with a higher benefit in the new tier. Some are a little better off with a higher benefit in the current tier, but overall they are very comparable and I believe we accomplished that. Now, some people uh, have communicated to me that they feel like a pension and knowing for sure what your retirement benefit will be is important. And they had some trepidation about the supplemental plan, but House Bill 258 allows when you reach retirement for that supplemental plan to be completely converted to a additional pension benefit. So you can elevate the foundational pension benefit by converting or annuitizing in other words, that supplemental benefit. So you can lock it in as a pension when you reach retirement. And that's built into House Bill 258. Uh, an additional uh, aspect of this is, it is true that the, the new plan saves some money because right now, you the only retirement requirement basically is you have to, to retire with full benefits, you need uh, 27 years of service. In the new system, it would require someone to work with 30 years of service and age 55. Now that's more. However, the current average retirement age right now in the current plan is age 59. So the current average retirement age being 59, we're proposing something that's at 55, that's still four years younger than the current average in the current plan. So we did not feel like that was you know, a huge difference, although it does save a fair bit of money for the system and for the state. Uh, 
we need here. Another huge uh, important thing that was a priority for me when I represented uh, employees was an inviolable protection for all the benefits they've earned, both in the foundational and the supplemental plans. And those benefits earned are uh, inviolably protected in House Bill 258. So we've accomplished that. Another important priority was to maintain other important plan design elements, particularly the COLA for retirees, uh, so their pensions go up with for to try to keep pace with inflation and disability retirement and so forth. Those provisions are in place in 258 for the new uh, tier. So that was something that we were successful in as advocates in the process. Um, we wanted a system that would, another priority was a system that we could feel confident would remain 100% funded. This is designed to, the new tier is designed to assure that it remains 100% funded and there are multiple mechanisms, but most importantly, uh, if the actual cost of the benefits are about 15% of payroll, 15% of someone's salary, but it has a total of 17 going in. So that extra 2% will go into a stabilization reserve fund, and that will be available if it's ever needed uh, to raise the arc if there's a recession or something like that. So it has mechanisms to assure that it is 100% funded without having to come and ask the legislature for more funding to do it. It sort of pre-funds its own economic shock absorber, which is that stabilization fund. That was a priority. Um, the, the last priority that I shared with the group as we were working was uh, that the um, TRS board should be authorized if that stabilization fund reaches a very high level of funding, they should be authorized to be able to contribute some of that windfall into the supplemental accounts of the new tier system. And the, the very last provision in House Bill 258 uh, allows for the TRS board to have the authority at some future date uh, to, uh, if there's a surplus, to use some of that uh, potentially to either pay down unfunded liabilities or to contribute to the supplemental account. So um, the final thing I would emphasize, as I mentioned, is the normal cost, the actual cost for the benefit of this is about 15% of pay. It's got 17 going in to build up that reserve. Some people say, well, that's a lot less than we're paying right now, but it's important to understand most of what we're paying right now is not for the that year's benefits. It's for the unfunded liability debt that has accrued and grown quite large. The vast majority of the current payments are going for unfunded liability. This new system starts out 100% funded, so you have zero that you need to pay for an unfunded liability for the new system. You only have to pay that much more modest normal cost for just the benefits. And that's how the payments into it can be a lot less and still fully funded and have money left over to grow a reserve fund because you're only paying for the benefit, not the huge unfunded liability. Now that will have to be, continue to be done for the legacy systems until that's paid off 25 years from now. But the new fund, you only have to pay for the benefits. Thank you for this opportunity to share those perspectives. Again, we don't have an organizational position, but those were priorities that I had as an employee representative that I feel like we were able to achieve in the work we did with the work group uh, that led to House Bill 258. The only thing I have left uh, as far as the presentation is I, I did have these members come here. They, they put so many hours into it. 
but I would like to let each association very quickly just tell their position on the bill. Susan Barber, uh, representing Kentucky Association of Sports Professionals, President Clark. And does your association have a position on this particular piece of legislation? Yes, sir. We are in full support. Good morning. I'm Rhonda Caldwell, uh, the Executive Director of the Kentucky Association of School Administrators, school leaders at our public schools. And, and, and does KASA have a position on this bill? Yes, KASA fully supports this bill. We believe it has all of the essential ingredients that we need um, to sustain the profession, considering that public education is the cornerstone of society. Uh, we need a strong retirement plan to sustain um, the education profession, both from a recruitment and a retention standpoint over time. I'm uh, Travis Powell. I'm Vice President and General Counsel for the and uh, does the council have a position on this particular? Yeah, topic? actually carrying the, the message today for all the uh, regional universities and HBCUs that are uh, participating in the KTRS system, and uh, all uh, presidents unanimously uh, agree uh, to support this bill. Good afternoon. Uh, I'm Eddie Campbell, a Miller High School Fire Director from Knox County, uh, currently serving as president of the Kentucky Education Association. Uh, KEA represents 44,000 active, retired, and I just wanted to make sure that uh, we lifted up some of the concerns of educators uh, at that place in the room today. Uh, I would like to begin by uh, thanking uh, Chair Miller and the committee for giving me the opportunity to put the concerns of KEA members into the record. Uh, I would also like to thank Representative Miller for the invitation uh, to participate in the robust discussions uh, around House Bill 258, including stakeholder representatives in conversations about legislation that will affect their members is an important step in building productive relationships. KEA's longstanding and basic position on TRS and indeed on all public pensions is that the existing benefit systems work now and will continue to work into the future if they are consistently and appropriately funded. Any financial system will break if its underlying assumptions about deposits are not met. This is true uh, even for the much touted defined contribution plan still require consistent deposits on both the employer and the employee to achieve the promised goal of a reliable income retirement. KEA participated in the discussions about the ideas in this bill because we were invited and we appreciate that deeply. We communicated to our members and shared information about the proposals throughout the process. In response, KEA members raised many concerns lifted up to Representative Massey and the stakeholder group. To his credit, Representative Massey took seriously many of the issues that we raised and made changes in the draft in response. Educators are deeply invested in their communities and are proud of their profession. They want a system that will recruit and retain the best and the brightest to educate the next generation. The concern we heard most often is that it will discourage well-qualified uh, new educators from seeking jobs in Kentucky because it will be, in effect, a pay and benefit cut when compared to their more experienced colleagues. Should this bill become law, any teacher hired under its provisions will have to work longer and pay more for a lower guaranteed defined benefit upon retirement. And if all assumptions are met, 
the supplemental plan could make up that difference. Like many other states, Kentucky is in the throes of an educator shortage. This is real. And instead of addressing the problem by trying to make the profession more attractive, we're here discussing pension reform. We should be having conversations about increasing educator pay. And we are not. We should be talking about how to support new educators with paid professional development, experienced mentors, and fully funded classrooms. But we're not talking about that either. Those are conversations that we should be having. If changes are made that will decrease benefits available to new hires, they must not stand alone. They must be a part of a comprehensive package that increases new educator pay, fully funds our public schools, and takes a more balanced approach to meet the needs of Kentucky's public school students. Again, I thank you, um, Chairman Miller, for giving us the opportunity to make sure that these concerns were lifted up and heard in committee today, uh, and, and I appreciate the time. Yes, uh, that, that is essentially our presentation. It's been hours upon hours of work and meetings. Um, we have heard the concerns of our teachers about pay. Uh, most of you know I come from an education background. I share many of those concerns. And we are going to have those conversations in time to come. Um, we can deal with one thing at a time, especially in a short session. And we're just trying to stop the bleeding from a problem we know all exists. That's all I have, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Uh, Representative Wheatley. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and I, I could go around and thank all these groups and, all, and do a lot of accolades here, and there's well-deserved people I greatly respect or have been involved, and uh, I, I, I see a lot of good things. I still have some questions and concerns. Uh, I'm old school. I'm 100% uh, defined benefit person. Uh, I think that's the best, and that's the gold standard, and we're going below that. But here's a question, and it's President McKim, actually, who spoke on inviolability and also spoke on annuitization. So the, two, the, the stabilization fund that you can annuitize when you retire, who is the annuitization guaranteed by? That, that would be, it's totally managed by TRS and it would be annuitized by TRS within TRS. Right, that's, that's, that's good to hear. And the inviolability of the product. So obviously defined benefit is inviolable because you make that promise when people start. What's inviolable about the supplemental or the sustainability fund, whatever it's called? Uh, so the supplement, the, the supplemental portions. There's a foundational plan, and then there is the supplemental component. The foundational is the pension. The supplemental is like a savings account. Uh, everything that's deposited by the employee and the employer is inviolably protected and all the interest it earns, it earns based on the 30-year rolling five-year average of the 30-year treasury rate, which has traditionally run around 5% interest. So what goes into it is inviolably protected and the interest it earns is inviolably protected. Then if upon retirement, you convert all of that into a pension, then that locks in your pension benefit. One more question. And, and uh, can any of the current percentages that are that are in the whole plan, and uh, Representative Massey can answer this too, can they be changed from this point going forward? So that's a yes, they can be changed. Or percentages that are. Okay. Thank you, Representative Wheatley. Representative Nemus. 
start off by thanking the whole group. Um, Representative Massey, I think you threaded the needle very well. I think you put this thing together. I'm glad that you uh, brought all these groups in and have, been, have uh, made the bill a lot better uh, because of their input. Um, and when I said thread the needle, I think this is good for the employee. My wife's a teacher at JCPS. I wish she could get in the system, but she got in just a little too early. But she can get in, but it's good for the employee because I think the benefit is going to be as good on the numbers, but it's also giving them much more options of mobility and so forth that I think our young people want to have. Uh, it's good for the employer, as all the employer groups have been here testifying for it. It's good for the taxpayer, no doubt about that. And it's good for the system. That's one thing that I've talked to Mr. McKim about a lot, is if we allow the new teachers to have this 401k hybrid plan, what would that do for the actual funding levels of the, of the investment pool? And this plan um, addresses that. And so therefore, our investments can be as aggressive as they were before, because the TRS system has been, has been run really well. Their, their investments, their returns are better than the other K systems, uh, K investment systems. So I think that needs to be recognized and the folks running the TRS system need to be thanked for that particular thing. I'm happy that this legislature since 2017, when we took over, has turned the corner and actually finally funded the pensions. We, talk, we hear about all this funding, 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 but we didn't do it for decades. We started doing it in 2017 and I've never, voted for a bill, a budget bill that didn't fund them. I don't anticipate this legislature will ever not fund those pensions like our, pre our predecessors did, and I'm happy about that. Last thing I wanna say is it takes courage for uh, folks to work on a bill like this. It takes courage for legislators, and it takes courage for, 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 for Bo and for Brent and for all the other folks who testified. I wanna note that in particular, our caucuses, I've talked to a lot of, a lot of people in our caucus, recognizes Mr. McKim and others coming to the table in good faith, We've made, uh, you've made changes based on their suggestions. And that is recognized when people come in good faith and we can work together and move successfully forward. I wanna thank everybody involved. I think it's a great pro uh, project, great process, and great substantive bill. Um, and I also wanna thank my friend Brent McKim in particular for coming to this table and actually representing the teachers of Kentucky and certainly Jefferson County. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Okay, no yeah. more questions. Do I have, oh, we do have, I'm sorry. All three of us missed you. That's all right. By design, <laughs> <laughs> cast them. I don't know. <laughs> Please, thank you, Mr. Chairman. You know, I want to ask the two presidents of the organizations that are impacted by this, KEA and JCPS. Both of you have gone through some of the recommendations that you made. That uh, and you went through a litany of things. It's about ten things that you said that you asked them to do, and it is a deal. And yet, your organization. And you've been engaged in this, I, I take it, with uh, Representative Massey, and I thank Representative Massey for working with the educational group. But why is it that you all have not taken a stand if all those things that you asked for, and the president of the KEA has, has requested, and they were basically similar, why has the organization, and I understand Representative Massey said the board has not met, but with all of these things being recommended, why has, has the board not met prior to Representative Massey bringing this to the table? Well, I can respond on behalf of JCTA. Uh, Representative Massey has presented to the JCTA board uh, in, in, at its January meeting, and he's also, uh, the Bo Barnes uh, and Terry Harbin from TRS presented the House Bill 258 to our JCTA representative council. And, and I think I indicated at the 
beginning of my remarks that our our ideal preferred scenario would be uh, to not create a fourth new tier. A lot of people don't realize we have three tiers right now. This would be a fourth tier. Uh, our ideal scenario would be to not create a fourth new tier, but to continue with the pre-existing plan. However, we did work in good faith on this bill, and we're not we're not opposing the bill uh, because there was uh, I think a lot of effort made to to address concerns that we brought. So um, that puts us in position of uh, not having opposition to the bill, but we're not to say we support it uh, at this point. My my read of my governance bodies as it seems great. Say we support it would be to say we prefer this over what we have now, and we're not saying that, but we're not objecting to the bill. So that I hope that makes some sense. Well, it would it would help people like me who, and I'll, I'll go on the record. I'm still a member of retired KEA, and, and others who are serving in the chamber. It would help us to know that the teachers organization is supportive, strongly supportive of this piece of legislation. Um, but uh, I'd like for the president of KEA to also respond if I could, Mr. Chairman. I, he is free to respond. Thank you. Uh, yes, thank you for the question. Yes, thank you for the question. Uh, so the KEA board schedules our uh, board meetings uh, a year in advance. So our next scheduled board meeting is not until the end of February. The bill was not filed, uh, and the, our board does not take positions on legislation until they're officially filed. So. Not, uh, had an opportunity to meet with our board. Uh, we thought this meeting today was going to be for information only that had been uh, communicated to us, uh, and then there was a, a change for action uh, later on. Uh, the board, the KA board, will be uh, meeting in the near future to uh, discuss uh, this bill in particular for positions. Okay. What a follow-up, Mr. Thank you. Briefly, just brief follow up, please. Just going back to the stabilization account, I just want to be clear about it. Um, the state uh, will pay the 10% in the stabilization account. What if that account becomes overwhelming money, lots of money? Um, could the state step in and say, well, since the stabilization account is overwhelmed with this ton of money, we're not going to give the 10%? something that will guarantee that the state will continue to provide that funding? Well, I, I think a couple of things there, and I, this is not direct response, but I do get this question. If it gets really well funded, can the state come in and take money out? Of course, that is a trust fund set up by state law. And as that, it can only be used uh, as directed by state law. And that would be uh, under federal law and state law provisions. Federal law would not allow it to be used for anything other than the benefit of the members. But to get more directly to your question, uh, we, when this plan starts getting better funded, that stabilization reserve account starts getting greater reserves, uh, we, we don't want that just to build up a pile of money there. And that's not necessarily for investment income, but uh, it can be applied, and under the bill it can be applied, to the existing legacy unfunded liability that we have out there right now. Uh, so that's, you would not get a huge reserve in that account because uh, as it, not well built up, we, we would see it applied accordingly. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, seeing no other questions, we 
assuming the motion. That's what I was kind of prompting. Well, I actually, uh, would you like to remake your motion? Since I think it died off, I like it second. We have a motion on the bill. Do we have a second? Do we have a second? Uh, Representative Hubertson. Yes. Uh, and at this time, I'd like to ask uh, the secretary to call roll. Representative Bowling. Yes. Representative Bratcher. Yes. Representative Decker. Yes. And I'd like Representative, <coughs> Representative Duplessy. Uh, yes, thank you. Representative Flood. No. Representative Graham. I want a, a pass on the bill based on uh, what the questions that are asked, and so I'm going to pass on it. Thank you. Representative Heath. Yes. Representative Heverin? Yes. Representative Johnson? Yes. Representative Maddox? Representative Mentor? Briefly explain my vote. Please. Um, today is a no, although I want to commend everybody who is involved in this process in having the kind of conversation that we need to have on every major like this. So thank you, Representative Massey, and to the bipartisan group of lawmakers who have been part of this conversation. Um, I can't vote yes on something where the uh, two major sister groups here, PPA and KEA, have not formally weighed in. And I hope that this bill will not be rushed to the floor before they have the opportunity to make their official statement. Thank you. No. no. Representative Nemes. Representative Smith? Yes. Representative Tate? Yes. Representative, <coughs> Representative Tipton? Yes. Representative Upchurch? Yes. Representative Wheatley? No, briefly explain that uh, I just have more questions and uh, I look forward to having them answered. It's such great respect for a lot of people who are involved with this, but I want to know for now. Thank you. Representative Miller? Yes. Matter motion passes to the floor with favorable expression. Same two shall pass. So thank you all very, very much. Um, Representative Graham. Yes, and, and Mr. Chairman, I'd like to also change my vote on CCPA to no. Good. Okay. So I'm going to mute that for a minute. Um, anybody that's still watching this video, uh, thank you for paying attention. And uh, KET doesn't allow their broadcasts to be uh, access accessed until they've been archived, which is the following day. So anyone who wants to see the dialogue, the actual conversations verbatim and the, read the body language and see the exchanges can do so by accessing this video as soon as uh, I end my live stream, it will be available. Um, they are going to take this to the floor at two o'clock and it will pass out of the house. So we will have the weekend. They don't meet again until Tuesday. So we will have the weekend to flood their phone lines, flood their email, send them text messages. This is going to go to the Senate on Tuesday. It's probably going to happen. It's too late to contact your house member. Uh, you can try before two o'clock, but um, they're going to be rush to figure out what they're going to say. So if you're watching this right now, contact your House member now. Uh, otherwise, focus on your senators, because on Tuesday, this is going before the Senate. I apologize for uh, confusing that. It is very confusing. And one thing that I'm not even sure about is if because of COVID, 
They can exercise emergency provisions like they've done in the past and bypass three readings. And so on Tuesday, they could try to pass this all the way through the Senate, I'm not sure. Normally you require three readings. So uh, just be on alert and make sure that you uh, spent the weekend reaching out to the senators across the state, but in particular, the ones where you live, such as Senator McGarvey, our Democratic senators are going to be able to articulate the concerns from their constituents. So if you live in a Senate district that has a, has a Democrat like Morgan McGarvey, uh, who are knows already, they won't be as difficult to explain what your what your concerns are. So um, be contacting your Democratic senators across the state and articulate your concerns so that they represent you on the Senate floor. Um, one thing that was notable, and it was an invitation, was when Patty Mintner said she could not vote for it until she had heard, and she hopes that they won't vote for it until they've heard from uh, the, the constituents. So use this weekend to organize and uh, form your position. Don't let your uh, a handful of leaders that are not in tune with their membership form the opinion. Make a rank and file grassroots led opinion known to uh, to the Senate and to the House, to the General Assembly. Uh, quickly contact your contact your union, contact Eddie, contact uh, Brent and make sure they hear from you too so that they make sure that they craft a message that incorporates your concerns, but don't let it, um, don't let the message be micromanaged and gatekept because uh, we see, we saw a lot of that happening in today's committee meeting. And there was a lot of spin in today's committee meeting that uh, the teachers uh, know that know a, a more nuanced story. It may not have been untruthful in, in every way, but it was not the full truth, if you know what I mean. So uh, there's a lot of nuance to this. this. This splitting the pensions into two tiers may be, uh, it may be the fourth tier technically, but it's the first tier uh, that they've created that is a hybrid of defined benefit and, and uh, uh, defined contribution, which is, uh, the defined benefit is what a pension is and defined contribution is like the 401ks and 403bs and this is the first time they've split away from fully being defined benefit and, and having a hybrid of the two. So that means that's the first time new teacher money will be diverted to a different plan than the shared plan that is the defined benefit plan and that will weaken <laughs> that will weaken the strength of the of the pensions and their contributions. There's no question. So taxpayers will have to make that up in some other way. We'll have to offer a better, uh, better pay for our new teachers. We'll have to offer uh, other incentives and, and other forms of benefits. And in order to do that, it's going to have to come out of the local tax uh, budget, local school budget, because uh, the state is basically saying we're out. We're no longer going to provide the same level of benefits to your teachers. And if you want to continue to attract, and we do, we're going we're gonna to have to come up with the difference. So um, at a time with so many uh, truths becoming 
reality for a lot of people and, and awakening happening across our country where we know we, we have to provide living wages and sustainable uh, access to, to healthcare and um, food and, and resources and education. And uh, we're, here we are at the state level still moving away from it. And um, the sooner we figure that out and the sooner we mobilize people to stop the, the insanity and look around us and not make the same mistakes of our neighbors because it's all ready, it's so visible. As soon as we push back and send that message, um, we can stop this nonsense, but we have to we have to do it together. We have to get uh, our collective voices and our collective thoughts together. And um, we saw a lot of teachers in this election cycle uh, really rallying to that uh, to the occasion. And I want to commend everyone that that step forward to run for JCTA office and be the change that they want to see in their union. And I do find it incredibly curious that these elections normally take place in the spring, like around March. Um, but we've been asking for tallies and uh, more documentation about historical uh, elections. And all we've been told so far is that they the turnout is around 1,000 people every election cycle. And uh, from some tallies that I saw, that was it was nearly double that this election. So that's good news. Um, but there's still a lot of unanswered questions. And uh, I want to know when the dates of the elections normally have taken place. And if uh, normally in March, which is what my research has shown me, why was the decision to start this election moved up to January, late January? And why was it coincidentally culminating yesterday. And as soon as that election was coming to a close, this bill starts to move. I find it incredibly alarming that these coincidences keep happening. And uh, if people were paying attention to how harmful this bill was, and these candidates were able to express uh, their, their reasons for being opposed and allow their campaign platforms to be based on and differentiate themselves based on uh, their position on this pension bill, don't you think those elections might have turned out a lot different? And uh, it's just incredibly fascinating that JCTA uh, has been um, tracking the bill, but not in opposition to the bill. And um, I just think we need to keep an eye on the games that are being played the words that are being used, the timing of everything that seems to just magically be coming together for what I think today looked a lot like a performance. This committee meeting had been uh, rehearsed to some extent, who was gonna say what. Um, I'm, I'm proud of Eddie. I think he's the only person who got up there and said uh, what he was hearing from his membership accurately and expressed a concern that, um, that they need to be heard and kind of set the stage for if, you know, because this is a 75% um, to 80% uh, Republican uh, General Assembly right now. The, the, uh, the odds of them being able to stop any of this 
are impossible. But uh, it doesn't mean we should throw in the towel. It doesn't mean we shouldn't speak up um, because they have to be put on notice. And these lawmakers, if they vote for this pension bill and it ends up costing taxpayers and teachers wake up after the fact and realize that they've been screwed and they will, uh, it, it needs uh, that line in the sand to have been drawn so that we can say, um, so that we can say, remember when we had this conversation, we're gonna be revisiting this conversation because we told you that this bill was gonna cost taxpayers, it was gonna make it more difficult to recruit, it was gonna cause the, the funding levels of the pension to require supplement from other places if, we, if we're going to continue to keep that promise. And so um, uh, now that time has come where we have to figure out what we're gonna do about it because as you can see, we're still not recruiting teachers and we're still you know, in these dire straits. And uh, they're going to need to be held accountable for their poor judgment on this vote. That's the, that's the reason we push back. And uh, some of these legislators are also tied to some other really terrible bills. And uh, look at the bills that Jerry Miller has co-sponsored uh, along with other people and uh, keep an eye on them too because they are all part of uh, wheels and levers and pulleys that they are trying to line up so that they can game the system uh, to the best of their ability. And this latest attack from Mitch McConnell on, uh, on um, uh, JCTA is another interesting thing. I'm still trying to figure out if it's if it's uh, staged or not. But um, uh, Chris Kolb said some things back to Mitch McConnell, um, and it looks like it's now Mitch McConnell attacking the unions on behalf of uh, that as a result of that exchange. And it's funny too because the union didn't support Kolb grassroots. Uh, grassroots constituents did. We, we're the ones who put him in office. The union stayed silent on that endorsement. We want to uh, make note of some other articles that are out uh, in the Lexington Herald yesterday, Lexington Herald leader yesterday, John Cheeves did an article uh, contrasting JCTA's position on House Bill 258 and uh, Save Our Schools. Uh, Save Our Schools, the moms and teachers, uh, again, grassroots moms and teachers of Save Our Schools are taking a stronger stance against um, uh, House Bill 258 than the powerful unions. And uh, again, who benefits, right? Who benefits from uh, allowing corporate uh, interests prevail over our, our government that is intended to serve the people and uh, the servants that dedicate their lives and their careers to their professions who deserve to live, simply live comfortably. We're not, we're not saying live like they've won the lottery. They, they deserve to live comfortably, uh, just like Social Security. The reason pensions exist is to make sure that workers who, who dedicate their lives to careers uh, are not destitute in retirement. And, uh, they're chip, chip, chipping away at these things that were hard fought many, many, many years ago. Our own unions led the fight. And so uh, it's, it's just curious that the unions are not leading the fight for the workers' benefits uh, today. 
and it makes you wonder why they're fighting so hard to retain their power in what should be democratic, uh, democratically governed organizations that represent dues-paying members. And members should be questioning when this took place, this shift took place, because I don't see uh, union members getting defended and protected the way they deserve to be. And that's why I fight. That's why I am uh, loathed by so many right now is because uh, they don't really understand that I am fighting for them when their own union leaders won't. And the, the, the misinformation and disinformation is so strong and so powerful that it's, uh, and our communication channels are so limited um, that it's really hard to, to overcome all the noise, but uh, when it starts to affect people personally and they start asking questions along the lines of what happened to my pension and how did we get here, um, hopefully it'll all make sense then. Um, and in the meantime, we're gonna keep fighting because we saw in Illinois, they won a victory. Um, they didn't let up and even though they were the underdogs, they put enough lines in the sand that there were markers to return to when the conversation, when it was time to have the, the, the accountability conversations. And people lost their, their jobs, people lost their seats in House and Senate and governance, uh, governing and uh, Secretary of State. They all got um, removed from their offices. And we've done some of that here in Kentucky. We've gotten rid of Bevin, we've gotten rid of the Kentucky Board of Education and the commissioner. and. Uh, you know, we've got to finish what we started, though, and uh, it's not time to, to quit. It's too, it's too soon to quit. So keep up the good fight. Again, congratulations to everyone uh, who ran uh, in, those, in those elections. Uh, the People's Agenda will meet Monday at 4 to debrief those elections, and uh, our attorney will be joining us. Uh, we'll do some updates on this legislation, but again, um, be sure and make phone calls to your Democratic senators that you have connections with and express to them that they that the teachers are opposed, rank and file teachers are opposed to this pension bill that divides and conquers and further allows them to denigrate uh, the benefits that were promised to these, these, these teachers and educators who have dedicated their career to this profession. And, uh, it's going to harm our recruiting efforts at a time when we need to be increasing benefits and uh, they need to not uh, assume that just because Brent McKim says that it's a, it's a good bill that the teachers agree with that. The teachers, there are many teachers who feel differently and they need to hear from you. Also check out the article that came out in the Career Journal yesterday about busing and the history of the student assignment plan and whether or not it was helpful or harmful uh, to uh, desegregation efforts in Jefferson County 50 years ago. Um, it's called Full Stop, I believe. Um, and it's got some great stories about Shawnee in particular in West Louisville. And uh, one of my son's classmates, Milan Bailey, was interviewed and did a great job. Uh, reminding people about the shortcomings that uh, 
neglected schools, uh, many, many, many micro uh, situations that can occur that add up. They have compounding effects. And um, what are we going to do to make sure those things don't keep happening? Because they're still happening. We need meaningful change in positions of leadership so that uh, those who uh, are closest to the pain, as G2 Brown says, have a seat at the table. And that's still not happening. So how can we really, truly make meaningful change when the people that know what they need aren't at the table? You've been listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS, and this has been an update on House Bill 258, the two-tiered pension bill for teachers, Kentucky teachers' pensions. The bill passed through the House committee member committee meeting as well as through the House chambers on Thursday and heads to the Senate for a vote on Tuesday.